0: When I was younger, I used to hear preachers sometimes say things like uh, I've been waiting for years to preach this message and I remember thinking, I bet you haven't. But uh, maybe I was a proud fool because I have been waiting for a long time to preach this today. They used to think, well, if you got somebody, why haven't you preached it before? But now's the time. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, hmm. some say John the Baptist. Some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered. You are the Christ. The son of the living God. Jesus replied, Oh, blessed are you. Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of Hades, the gates of Hades, Will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth. Will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth. Will be loosed in heaven. And he warned his disciples not to tell anyone. That he was the Christ. I want to ask a question. What can we learn from this? Someone might just want to put this fan on over here and just give us a bit of breeze. Thank you. What do we learn from this? One of my favorite uh, stories in the whole Bible, I think. The turning point of the Gospel of Matthew for sure. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. It's known that Jesus is the Christ. Suddenly it's known. Look at me, everyone. I've got something to tell you today from God. Look at me. Look at me. Suddenly, a young fisherman, although maybe the oldest of the group, suddenly knows. He gets a revelation. That the man they've been following is not any ordinary man, but he's the Son of the Living God. The first thing that happens in this story is that there is a revelation. It's really interesting because when it was asked, Who is Jesus? the majority of people were wrong. Correct? Well, they say you are John the Baptist. Oh, they say you're Elijah. Some say you are, you're one of the prophets. Listen, the majority were wrong. If it had been a democracy and they had decided who he was by the display of their wisdom, they would have missed it because there's only one way to know who Jesus is. You have to have a revelation. The work of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the work of revelation that you stand and share your faith as clearly and as accurately to the Bible as you can But as you do that you play your part. But it's not dependent on that. It's dependent on the Spirit of God opening the eyes. And that's why you share your faith with one person and they don't see it. You share your faith with another and they do see it. They do see it. Because they had A revelation. Suddenly, this young man knew something that the other 11 men didn't know. And when we check it out in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, we find that just before this happened, Jesus was praying, praying for them. So, I I don't want to go over old ground, but let me throw it out. The secret of revelation is prayer. You don't understand something? You should pray that you do. You want to open your Bible and read the Bible? Pray a blessing on your reading. Otherwise it will just be a blur and you'll soon go back to the radio times. Prayer brings revelation. And what you know about God is shaping your life right now. What you know about God is determining the, the the pattern, the length and the breadth of your life right now. Small God, small life. Believe that He is Lord, change your whole life. Because what else matters? Believe that He is a Sunday God. won't, Won't change your life. Believe that He is Lord of all. And the soon and coming King. Transform your life. Now, we understand that in order for people to become a Christian they must have a revelation. But I want to tell you as well that even you as a Christian can have a revelation. I wrote some things down on a piece of paper yesterday. I noticed in the Bible that through the Bible, God was showing a bit more of himself and a bit more of himself and a bit more of himself. You ever tried to work out what a jigsaw is? With one piece? Nah, it's not so good. Put some more pieces down, now you see a bit more. Put some more pieces down, now you see a bit more. God wants to give you a jigsaw piece today. Another one. So you might see him a bit more. I noticed in the Bible, as I was just, I made a few notes yesterday. I must be getting a better preacher. I noticed that to Abraham, he was the El Shaddai, the Almighty God. He appeared to Abraham and and said in Genesis 17 verse 1, I am the Almighty God. He says, walk before me and be thou blameless. To Abraham, he was an Almighty God. To Moses, he was the I Am. To Israel, he revealed himself as the healer, the Lord your physician, he revealed himself as the Lord, your banner. On the mountain where Abraham carried his son Isaac, he revealed himself as the Lord who would provide. And each time, it's like another piece of the picture was put into place. To Israel, in Leviticus 20 verse 8, he was called the sanctifier. To Gideon, He was the Lord, your peace. To David, the Lord is my shepherd. To Isaiah, he revealed himself as the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies. To Jeremiah, the Lord our righteousness. And to that first morning as the New Testament was born. He was Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we understand it's important we're going to preach the gospel. They must have revelation or they can't see it. Listen, don't you get mad with people when they can't see it. You remember doing that? Anyone done that? Yeah. You want to sit him down and say, you idiot. That's not a great evangelistic technique. I remember when I first, I was writing an article about this just this week. When I first came to know the Lord, my, I tell you my first, where I was the pastor first, and my first congregation was in the pub. I think the pub was called The Parrot. And I came to know the Lord. And within a few days I gathered all my mates, one at a time. I thought that would be best. And they came to see me in the pub. My altar call was at the bar. It's a very expensive way to do church, by the way. And I shed my faith for them. I expected them all to get saved straight away. And by the way, one or two of them did come through, and one's still serving God today. But others just couldn't see it, and I began to get so mad. What are you doing? I've just told you my testimony. Get saved, you buffoon. And anyway, I just bought you a Coke. can't see it, can they? Am I, am I telling the truth? They can't see it. You can see it. But by the end of this morning, you're going to see some more. So we must have, we must have revelation. It's vital for mission. It's vital for discipleship. But here's what I wanted to really say. Once there's been a revelation, and we have to pray hard, once there's been a revelation, there must be a realization. I saw something in this passage that blew me away. Because Jesus did an incredible trade here. And this in itself was a revelation to me. I'd read this and read this and read this and read this. It's my favorite. One of my favorite bits in the Bible. And yet, slow of heart, dull of ear to understand. I didn't see something that suddenly I began to see. Peter says... To Jesus. I know who you are. And he gives Jesus a name. You are the Christ. But here's something I haven't seen before. Listen, if you've seen it before, God bless you. Why didn't you tell me? Here's something I never saw. As Jesus said to uh, 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 as Peter, rather, said to Jesus, you are the Christ. Jesus traded a prophecy with him. And he said to him, and you are Peter. So Peter called Jesus by his name, and Jesus, uh, have I got that the wrong way around? They, they, they traded names. Peter said, I know who you are. And Jesus said, you're right. And guess what, Peter? I know who you are. And Peter, you're not who you think you are. You're someone else. Do you know that the name Simon means reed or blade of grass? A blade of grass blown about by the wind. And Jesus said, you know what? You're not a blade of grass anymore. You are going to become a stone. That's what Petra means. From the name Petros, Peter, rock, stone. But the only way for Jesus to give Peter that name was after Peter had named him. If you don't know that he's the Son of God, you are a blade of grass. But if you know that he's the Son of God, you have become a rock. But only when you know only when you know it, only when you know it, there comes an incredible realization. And here is my quote of the day, you don't know who you are until you know who he is. If you can work out by revelation who he is, you've just uh, discovered who you are. And you don't know who you are. Until you know who he is. Do you understand? They traded prophecies. Here's a word for you. Yeah. And here's a word for you. You are Jesus Christ. I am. And you are a stone in the building of God. You know, for years, for years and years, I think I misunderstood this. You know, I used to think about Peter being, a, you know, a, like a solid rock. And there's lots of things this means. I mean, partially, partially for sure, the, the rock to which Jesus refers is the revelation itself. Upon this rock, upon revelations like this, the church is going to grow. Upon revelations like we are having now, the church is going to grow. As people understand Jesus is the Savior, He's the Son of the living God, the church begins to grow. But yet, I couldn't really get away from the fact that it was kind of directed right at Peter. And we're not going to be Roman Catholic about this and suggest that Peter, this is him being made the first Pope, as some may suggest to us. But I want you to notice something here. And you know the Bible quite well. You know, don't you, that from this time on, Peter did not become a solid rock. No, he did not. Because just a... (laughs) A year or so later, a little girl wanted to know whether his accent was Galilean and all of a sudden, was he not a blade of grass again? Yes. So something happened here that was not the transformation of this young man into a big hero. So why did Jesus call him a stone? I want to suggest the reason to you. Stone did not mean that he had become really strong. It meant that he had become something that God could work with. In the building of the church. God said to him, because you know who I am, now I can use you. I couldn't use you before because you didn't know who I was but now you know who I am, you have become a usable rock in the building of the church. If you have a distorted God, then you have a distorted you. If you know who God is, then you begin to know who you are. One time in this very room, a demon screamed out of a person at me. I am going to kill you. I thought it was hysterical. Did I ring up the intercessors? Pray for me. A demon is going to kill me. No, I did not do that. Because I know who I am. And I know that he is under the soles of my feet. But the young man with me, all but hid in the kitchen. And a group of students who were with us at the time and witnessed the occurrence, didn't want to come to this church anymore. God bless them, they just not had the revelation of who they are. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus, more than a conqueror. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. I know some of you won't believe this, but the devil's not not just afraid of Jesus. He's actually afraid of you as well. If you know who you are. A demon is like a dog. I'm terrible around dogs. They know I don't like them i'm only glad that cats do not have the same gift a dog knows doesn't it if a human is fearful of it and a dog also knows if a human is not fearful of it we are not fearful i've met many christians listen to me today i've met many christians and they they are distorted They're distorted in their life, they're distorted in their mind, they they are distorted. And the reason they are distorted, one of the reasons they are distorted is because they do not know who God is. When God said in the second commandment, don't make another God, only have me. He wasn't just talking about wood idols. He was talking about what goes on in our minds. Hello? God said, I don't want you to have any other God except me. But many believers have another God other than the one in the Bible. And it's limiting their life. If you can say today, I know, Lord, who you are, you will become useful in the Master's hand. But if you don't know who he is, if you don't really know who he is, It's going to limit your life. That's why you must have revelation. Let me give you an example of this. Here are a few examples that maybe the Spirit brought to my mind. Maybe they are from God. Maybe from me. But here they are. There are plenty of believers and they have a very weak God. A very small God. That they they speak about. And they sing about the greatness of God. And they stand and wave their hands and sing how great is our God. But they don't really believe He's greater than the phone bill at home. Can you say Amen? They say our God is great, but they don't believe He's greater than the home office. (laughs) No, no, uh, well, uh, the home office. Now that's, now you're talking Come on. Ah, God reigns. But they don't believe He really does reign. They don't really believe it. Because their God is small. If you have a small God, you're going to have a small life. If you have a God who is like a little genie who can give you maybe three wishes over a period of 40 years. My favorite one, and I've said this before, in, in healing lines is when someone will come and say, look, I've got a problem in my shoulder, and I get migraines, but can you just pray for my shoulder? Because it's almost as though they think, I better, there's not, you know, if I ask too much, then the heavenly lights will flicker with a surge of too much voltage. It's just too much. Our God is not small. And let me tell you, there are plenty of believers. They have a far bigger devil than their God. Let me introduce you to a device that shrinks the devil. You want to see it? Here it is. Get this inside you. Get this inside you. It, it doesn't happen by buying it from Wesley Owen. When you get it inside you, when you get it inside you, when you get it inside you, then all of a sudden the great and powerful devil becomes exactly what he is under the feet of the believer. Because we are in God. So some believers they have a small God, a weak God. He he can't really do anything. He can't really do anything. It's like he's inside a cage and the church have to pray him free. Let me tell you, our God is not bound except by the limits of our faith. Some others have what I call a far away God. A God that's not really close at all. He's the faraway God. When I was a kid, I read a book called The far away tree. That expression came to me again yesterday. If you have a God far away, do you know what that will do to you? You will become timid. Or rather we should say, you might remain timid and never become strong. The Bible says this, that our God truly lives in the heavens. But by His Spirit, he's also taken up residence inside you. You put God into Google Earth. Click, search, and a photograph of you should appear. Because that's where he lives. He's not a far away God. He's a God who's near. If you believe God is near, it will change your life. You won't sin If you believe he's near. You won't be afraid. If you believe he's near. Our God said. Behold. I'm going to be with you always. Even to the end of the age. We've got a God. Who's moved in with us. Praise be to his name. You don't have to be lonely either. Some have a cruel God many believers have a cruel god and that's not god either by a cruel god i mean this a god who wants to punish and punish and punish a god who does not love but it's like a cruel school teacher taskmaster in my school there were the nice teachers And then there were the other ones. And if one of the other ones was walking down the corridor, whoa, (laughs) everyone behaved. You could play around with a nice teacher, get away with murder, maybe not literally murder. But with one of the harsh, you dare even breathe? And I want you to know today, God is not like the cruel teacher, but neither is he like the supply teacher. Some have a cruel God. You know what will happen if you have a cruel God? What will happen is this that every time something goes wrong, you will see the signature of God upon it. You'll see the fingerprints of God upon it. You know you've not lived holy, you know you've not but you know you've fallen short of the glory of God. But if you have a cruel God, it means that every time you lose, a, lose your job, every time your car doesn't work, every time you become ill, you begin to get transfixed. God is punishing me. But that's not a revelation from God. That's a revelation from the dark side of the force, by the way. When the devil said to Adam and Eve, "You'd better run because you're naked." And he'll get you. Some have a liberal God. A God who thinks it's okay to do whatever you like. We know that people who are not Christians have this God. We know that. They have a God who exists to please them. Many people who are not Christians, they're still religious, aren't they? They still believe in God. And they have a God who just, uh, he just likes them and anything they want to do, he thinks it's a good idea. That, that kind of God. Many people have that God. He doesn't exist, by the way, because he's not in the Bible. But they have that kind of God. If it feels good, do it, God. That's him. That's, that's his missionary statement. That's his mission statement. If it feels good, do it. I've got a new mission statement. If it feels really good, you better be checking that it's okay. Sometimes. But some have a liberal God. A God that blesses them however they live, whatever they want to do, whoever they want to hurt, whoever they want to date. Whatever they want to do, uh, it's, it must be God's will because he smiled at me. No, honey, it's his will. It's not God's will. Many have a, a God like that. A God whose sole purpose is to make them the center of the universe. I've got news for you God is at the center of the universe. We're not. He is. Don't you know that we are the servants of God? He's not our servant. Can you say Amen? He's not our servant. But I meet many believers. That God is their servant. And boy, is God in trouble if he doesn't do exactly what we ask. But there's no such God as that. That's not a. It's not a revelation. Others have a God of favorites. Others have a God who, like Jacob from the book of Genesis, who chose Joseph as his favorite son, a terrible mistake. You who have many children, you are not supposed to have any favorites among them. It causes all kinds of problems. But God is not like that. Some believe that God has favourites. Oh well, God will do it for them, but He won't do it for me. Well, God will do miracles for Him, but He's not going to do anything for me. I want to tell you, God doesn't have any favourites at all. The difference may be that one person truly knows who God is, and because they know who God is, they know who they are. And another person does not know who God is and no matter how many books they read, no matter how many tapes they listen to, no matter how many confessions they make, no matter how many of the right conferences they go to and get the right person to pray for them, they are not going to be fundamentally changed until their eyes open and they say, Lord, I know who you are. If if you have a God who has favorites, your low esteem will assure you that you are not one of them. Most times. And it's going to smother the scope of your life. Don't you know that if God's Spirit came upon you, you could do anything that was in His purpose to do anything? And as a dear brother shared with us just the other day, God has not put you on this planet Earth to do what you want. He's put you on this planet Earth to do what He wants. I want to say that again. God has not put you on planet Earth to do what you want. He's put you on planet Earth to do what He wants. And finally, we have many people who don't see in God a Savior at all. I'm determined with every breath I've got with every sermon that can ooze out of me. I want to preach Jesus as Savior. Because He is a Savior. He saves His people from their sins. That's the main thing He does. If you backslide, if you turn your back on Him, decide that you'll go back into the world, I want to suggest to you, maybe you never understood That he was a saviour. Because if I'm drowning in the sea and I can't swim, I'll never let go of the lifeguard who's come to rescue me. If I let go of the lifeguard, it's because I believe I'll be okay. I wonder who your God is. Because if you have the God of the Bible, you're going to become a person of the Bible. You're going to become a believer of the New Testament. I don't mean that you believe the New Testament. I mean you're going to become a believer like the ones in the New Testament. So first there was a revelation. Peter knew who Jesus was. Jesus then batted the ball back. With a trade of prophecy. And gave him his realization. You are a stone. That I can work with now. Because you've known who I am. Now I can use you. Is it the prophet Daniel who says in the last days. Those who know their will be strong and to exploits. Revelation. Realization. And then comes the third of our three R's. Responsibility. Those who truly see the Christ give themselves fully to the building of His church. Here's the final revelation that oozes out of this amazing passage. Peter, because you know who I am, because you recognize me, because the Father has revealed this to you, I'm going to tell you about something that's been hidden, hidden, not been made known before. And he. And he speaks a word that up until that time had never, ever been spoken before. It was the word church. It had never been spoken before. Maybe a similar word had been used, like assembly or group or gathering or some such thing. But never before had this word, which in Greek is ecclesia, but Jesus probably spoke in Aramaic and used another word. Never before had this word been said before. And when we read it, we think, ah, he's going to build the church. We know what the church is. But they didn't know what the church was. They never heard of the church. Songs of praise wasn't on. He said, Peter, I've got to tell you something. I've got to tell you something. Now you know who I am. Now I'm going to share something with you. I'm going to share something with you so secret, so precious. I'm going to tell you not just who I am, but what I'm going to be about. What I'm going to be about, and as has become known now for the next 2,000 years, I'm going to build the church. And it's almost like if you can use the analogy of a building, and we know a church is not a building, but use the analogy of it, it's almost like Jesus suddenly produced From within his robe, a shovel. And said, Here you go. We're going to build something. You and me. We're going to build something. Because you know who I am. And now, because you know who you are, now you can join me and we are going to build something. And Peter got really excited. Wow, Lord, what are we going to build? My business. We're going to build my business. Are we? No. No, we're not going to build your business. Said the Lord, we're going to build my business. and I'm going to give myself, said the Lord, for the next 2,000 years. I'm going to walk all over the planet earth and I'm going to build something. I'm going to build something. I'm going to build the church. And because you know who I am, you can join me. Wow, how am I going to join you? I'm going to make you into a stone. You're going to be a stone in the building. I tell you, lots of people get worried about this because they think God is calling them to be the next Nehemiah. But God's not calling you or me to be the next Nehemiah. He's just calling us to be a stone that Nehemiah can put in the wall. I find great comfort from that. Jesus said, you, You're a stone. I'm turning you into a stone. You're not like reed that we can't build a building with. You're going to become a stone. I'm going to be able to work with you, I'm going to be able to use you in the creation of something amazing called the church. Some people think God is building their ministry. Some people think God is you know, building them. Well, He builds us up for sure. But there's only one thing that God today is putting His hands into the soil to build. And it's the church. The church. There's only one church. Can you say amen? Amen. It looks different sometimes. But, there's just one church. And if you get a revelation of who he is, and then you get the realization of who you are, and who you could be, you won't cycle home and say, yippee. You'll say, Lord, give me a shovel. And let me help. Let me help in the building of your church. There are people who help in the building of the church, but they don't know him, and they certainly don't know who they are. But if you know who he is, and therefore you know who you are, and can be, Suddenly become qualified. You become a stone that God can place in his own way into the building that he is constructing. All of the apostles when they met with the resurrected Jesus, left him and went and built the church. That's why for years uh, you know, 10, 20 years, the Gospels weren't even written. They had no time. Let's build the church. Let's build the church. Let's build the church. And they gave their blood to build it. All but one. John, who died in Ephesus. His tomb is there today. But all the others gave their blood to build the church. And if you know who he is, you're going to do the same. You'll do the same. You'll receive that shovel, if you forgive this metaphor, but you know what I'm talking about. You'll receive. You'll receive the shovel from the hand of the Lord. And you'll say, oh, let me play my part, Lord. Take me. I'm a stone. Put me into the building. You'll take root that you can bear fruit. Revelation, realization, responsibility. Revelation. Realization and responsibility. If you find out who God is, a call will come on your life straight away. If you begin to discover who you are, a call will come on your life straight away. And you won't need a business card that says apostolic prophet on it. No. The Lord will call you himself into his harvest field. So how about you? Is it time for you to change your name?